This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. We may also discuss major serious spoilers, so be warned. Procedural Hello and welcome to Procedural Veneration, the only podcast where we obsess over Gary Sinise. I'm Hank. That can't be true and I'm Daphne. Every other week we take our cherished listeners through a new procedural drama by pulling the best, worst, and most mid-episodes as the true bellwether of quality that they are. This week we have an exciting one. We join you for a show that is 100% my favorite of what we've done so far and it's the hit show Columbo. Anything to say on Columbo there, Daphne? No. No, <laughs> no nothing as of yet. All right, well, I'll take us right through it then. Columbo, if you're unfamiliar, is a show that started in the 70s. Uh, it ran across a whopping four decades, though it only has about around about 60 episodes. It is very widely known, especially for its very unsophisticated eponymous detective, Columbo. Seemingly very incompetent, however, he is a very competent man and very intentional in everything that he does. The murders are also very usually high class, which sort of strikes an undertone of class conflict in pretty much every episode as people are constantly taking him for granted because he seems like kind of a, a schmo can confirm yeah <laughs> he does seem like kind of a schmo he does and there's there's definitely some some parts where they take it a little too far where they do just make him seem a little bit like a weirdo slash incompetent a little handsy no a little handsy maybe yeah there's a weird we'll, we'll get into the weird handsy episode uh, structurally, though, the show also rarely hides the murderer's identity. On the contrary, it usually opens with an extended sequence, Columbo list, as the murderer perpetrates the crime. So usually you know who it is, how they did it, and you saw them do it. Uh, the general goal is kind of, rather than rather than who done it, it's more of see if you can actually do the solving before Columbo can, which is usually pretty enjoyable, and it, it makes for it makes for a different experience. There's also usually a pretty satisfying uh, denouement at the end where Columbo. A what? A denouement. It's just it just means like finale, but it's like what it, it's like the the parlor room scene, right? Ah. Where, where the the detective unveils how they know how it how it was done. Yeah, I'm a sucker for one of those. Yeah, they're pretty good, and usually it involves Columbo tricking the person in some way, which we will also get into later. Frequently, Columbo also figures out who done it very quickly. Sometimes as quick as the first time that he meets them, he latches onto them and suspects them. And then the show, he's just following them around the whole time and trying to get them to slip up pretty much. Yeah, I'd like to say from a non-TV show perspective, maybe Columbo's a bad cop. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He just figures, he's like, I know, I'm going to prove that this person did it yeah. with very little to back up my reasoning and a lot of very circumstantial evidence. <laughs> a lot of times in Columbo episodes, the crime is not made out to be a, oh, well, I couldn't have done it because blank. Some of the time or most of the time it's, oh, th this was probably an accident, right? Which makes it a little bit questionable that a homicide detective basically clings on to someone until he extracts a confession or tricks them into confessing, right? Yeah, it's very, very sus, in my opinion, on Columbo there. <laughs> um, the character of Columbo is pretty iconic, uh, biconic, one might say, even. 
I, I would. Depending on who you ask. Uh, if you ask me, I would say yes. Yeah, for sure. The apparently takes inspiration from uh, Porfiry Petrovich from Crime and Punishment, as well as Father Brown uh, from, from the novel days. And we stand Father Brown, the TV show. Of course. Uh, Father Brown, the character in the TV show, are pretty good. Uh, Columbo also, like the production, the procedural elements of it predate the actual show that is that everybody knows it from. There is an appearance in a few periodical stories and like magazines, as well as some non like Columbo TV show shorts. They also had a TV movie of the week called Prescription Murder, where Columbo was, I believe, not portrayed by Peter Falk, but was adapted to a pretty successful stage play as well. Which um, that episode, the inspiration for that episode, I think made it into the show later on as well. However, I'm I'm too young and cableless to really understand what TV movie of the week means. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, I imagine it has something to do like the sci-fi channel and Piranaconda yeah. and all that. Right. It's like we have 52 slots a week for whatever, right? One but, of them is going to be a movie. Yeah. But Columbo itself started in 1971. There are, I believe, two pilot episodes that did not have Peter Falk in them, but those officially started in 1971. And the last of the specials, which they started doing after the show ended, uh, aired in 2003. Unfortunately, Peter Falk passed away in 2008 uh, and is no longer with us, but he leaves behind a very fun legacy of a very interesting character across four different decades. So eat your heart out, Law and Order. Exactly. <laughs> Falk also really worked to make the character his own, including providing the initial wardrobe for Columbo, part of a major selling point of this very working class man surrounded by heirs to million million dollar fortunes wine connoisseurs and everything he also was constantly ad-libbing mannerisms and little physical sidetracks basically that happened to Columbo, like struggling to get a cigar out of his pocket or something right the show also was really well known as it brought in a lot of extremely famous guest stars usually to be the murderer as well as a lot of guest directors um both william shatner and leonard nimoy guest starred at some point both of them playing the murderer I believe Shatner actually played the murder twice in two separate episodes. So, Suspicious. Yeah, I'm not sure why Columbo wouldn't have figured that one out immediately. <laughs> that actually happened a couple times. I think there's like four or five people, which is kind of surprising for such a short-lived show where these people, the guests or the stars came back and played a different character who was also the murderer again. <laughs> but then uh, they also had guest directors, like I said, including Steven Spielberg for an episode and Johnny Cash have both guest directed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then Faye Dunaway, who's a pretty famous actress for uh, Chinatown and Network, uh, both good movies. You should go check them out, uh, except uh, Roman Polanski's a piece of shit. So, you know, if you're watching Chinatown, don't forget that. Uh, (laughs) She won her Emmy for her guest appearance on the show. The reception to Columbo, in case you hadn't guessed by how I've been talking about it, was great (laughs) For, for to last almost 40 years, it would have to be. It was pretty much a mainstay at the Emmys every year that it was on the air, including four wins for Peter Falk and then several other for general production writing, as well as then guest stars, too. It essentially appears on a lot of TV Guide's top X lists, which includes like top 100 episodes, top 50 characters, and then I think the third best cop show. I didn't actually dive into the the listing to figure out what the first two were. Yeah, I think I feel like you should figure that out. I want to know because... I don't know. I feel like Columbo's not bad, but it's kind of a weird pick for third best cop show ever for me. In addition to TV Guide listings, WGA also rated it its, uh, sorry, the Writers Guild of America also rated it 57th 
on its top 100 shows of all time, which just wanted to shout out to WGA. Yeah, shout out to WGA. If you don't know who WGA is at this present moment, then um, get your head out of your butt. We should contextualize. We're in the middle of, of the first writer strike in 15 years. Uh, we stand with writers who are literally just trying to make a living and not be treated like garbage from every studio with online content. Um, I genuinely, as a person who grew up watching TV in 2007, have no idea how we still think that writers are optional for television. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, If you want more in an informational capacity, go watch Drew Gooden's video that was just released as of May 2023. Very good, very informational and covers some of the crazy stuff that happened after 2007, as well as why writers are way more necessary than anybody gives them credit for on a show. Yeah, and if you're in entertainment and you're ignoring uh, the fact that there's a writer's strike going on, um, you suck. Yeah. Uh, If you are able to not cross the picket line, I would strongly encourage you to do that, but I'm sure that if it's something that you've personally come across and are not (laughs) randomly hearing for the first time from me, so... (laughs) Yeah, and I gotta say, this burdens my heart heavily, but... Gary Sinise has not said anything about the writer's strike, but Mandy Patinkin is going hard. We love Mandy Patinkin. He's our new fave. Gary Sinise, I couldn't care less. Uh, Now I want Mandy Patinkin on this show. That's my newest hot take, and you can't change my mind. Well, now I have to change the intro for our next episode again, because by then we're going to have to be over Gary Sinise. Yeah, I'm I'm officially over him, you know? Um, uh, I'm all for Mandy Patinkin now. Okay, well... And our new our new big goal, the man who did not like being in a procedural. <laughs> Honestly, I think that fits with the that's tone of prob- our show. That's better. probably <laughs> a, a good get for our show. Also remarkably more famous, I, I would think. Yeah, we'll talk about him constantly from now on. Yeah. All right, well, back to Columbo. Internationally, I didn't see a lot of, like, this is the top six international shows of all time things. But it did receive a huge amount of syndication in 44 different countries, uh, including a lot of European countries in what was a generally pretty tumultuous time in Europe. After Columbo left production slash was leaving the air in 1989, Peter Falk was also summoned to the State Department to prepare a speech for the Romanian populace, as Romania had great concerns that there would be riots and upheaval with the show going off, which 1989, not a great time for, you know, calmness in any soviet bloc countries not that there not that there should have been but you know (laughs) very very fun that he was apparently considered a cultural icon enough to prepare that speech yeah imagine like colombo giving a speech to like calm down the masses like that's so out of character for the character of colombo that i think it's very funny that it's like see colombo says it's okay (laughs) yeah colombo colombo stands with the proletariat yeah that's why we stand colombo that was, I believe, when the actual like main seasons ended. I, they may have picked up one or two more seasons after that a couple years later. But after they ended, the show came back periodically for a couple specials, which carried on until, like I said, 2003 when the last one aired. Yeah, that's pretty much all the background I have about Columbo. So I guess with that out of the way, we can go right into our general thoughts about the show. Yeah, um, I guess I'll start with saying that I've never seen an episode of Columbo before we watch these, though. I'd seen some in passing because it was Hank's comfort show for a little while. <laughs> and so I've seen snippets, but I've never seen full episodes. Uh, and I would like to say, wow, they are so long. They are long. <laughs> so long. Each of the three episodes we watched was an hour and a half long. I believe there are episodes that are over two hours. Dear Lord. It's, I would say that I've seen episodes where it's totally fine and pads out the runtime perfectly well and, and 
it's executed well. All of the episodes I, that we watched were somewhat into the show, and they felt like they had to have a scene where Columbo was doing something with childlike innocence. <laughs> yeah, or Columbo just being a little gremlin. Yeah. A little weirdo. There was, in one of the episodes we watched, he got obsessed with camera switching, which I, I didn't take any notes on that, but we talk about that during the episode. But he had multiple sequences where he was just like, switching cameras in the studio and it was nothing to do with anything not really it didn't really help him solve the murder it kind of tangentially had to do with the murder but not really anyway we'll we'll get to that though yeah hank wouldn't know he was asleep during part of that episode. i did fall asleep i was not feeling terrific <laughs> and i did fall asleep during the last part of that episode <laughs> yeah that's how committed hank is <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm so sorry to my to my listeners i've let you down this won't happen again i haven't been feeling super well the last few weeks so Truly, we'll be in a better state going forward, and I promise you this will never happen. Yeah, we'll release a formal apology video. Hank will cry. There'll yeah. be, um, I don't know, we'll plug some merch or something. Yeah. I sure hope that anybody who subscribed to our Instagram listens to this, because I'm going to have to release an Instagram apology about falling asleep <laughs> during the second episode of Columbo that we watched. Hey, to be fair, you knew I was asleep and did not wake up. Moving on. Um... <laughs> My review for the show is that um, I think it's a show that excels at interesting mysteries and compelling characters. But sadly, I don't consider Lieutenant Columbo one of those compelling characters uh, the majority of the time. But I still give it a 7.4 out of 10. I 100% agree that the mysteries are the best part of the show and the the actual writing of how they get cracked is kind of second to none in procedurals that I've seen. It's hard because in the interest of this podcast, I feel like I have to make my judgment off of your episodes we've watched. And in all of those episodes, Columbo was rather grating. However, I have seen plenty of episodes in which Columbo is a fantastic character who's sympathetic and well-written. But in the interest of, of you know, being on, being on the, the side of doing the podcast, right? Hank. What? May I remind you that this podcast has no rules? This podcast has no rules? All right, I'm standing firm at a nine because I've watched about a fourth of the show overall. And uh, I really like Yeah, and you're wrong, and we can move on and from that, but... This is how we get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to mention, okay. as part of my rating as well, that Columbo is particularly grating to me because um, he reminds me of that terrible defense lawyer from the jury case that I was a part of. Um, and it's like the defense lawyer had watched the entirety of Columbo and like picked up mannerisms from Columbo and it was like using that as part of their legal defense. And it was absolutely bonkers watching Columbo and being like, it's the guy. (laughs) It's absolutely the defense lawyer is what I'm watching right now. Because Columbo would ask like an absolutely like bonkers random question and then use it to like gotcha people, right? But like in the... A uh, case that I was a part of, it was like more like ask a random bonkers question. It wouldn't be a gotcha, but then the defense lawyer would act like they had just gotten a Columbo gotcha, and it was so horrific, so absolutely horrific. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It sounds to me like you're just anti working man. I don't know what you want me to tell you, Def. Yeah, I'm definitely anti working man. Uh, this lawyer was definitely a working man. <laughs> definitely wasn't some kind of. Uh, rich um stooge yeah more like hardly working man am i right 
Um, Apparently, based <laughs> on their defense skills. <laughs> well, with our reviews out of the way, we're going to dive straight into trivia. So this first one uh, may be easy, maybe hard. We'll see. Daphne, what rank in the LAPD does Columbo carry? Lieutenant. Yeah, it's police lieutenant. I, you said it. I thought maybe, because I, I incorrectly called him detective a couple times while we were watching, so I thought maybe I seeded that, but then him being a lieutenant got brought up multiple times in a different episode. But yeah, you got that right. They try to play mind games on me, and I they know, won't work, because I'm observant. I know what's going on. Well, that, I don't fall asleep during Columbo episodes. I was going to ask you about the Romania thing, but it seemed too hard to possibly get the correct answer on, so I just swapped it out for that one. Plus, that came up. So that, that was that was nice trivia. Let's get into the not nice trivia. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter Falk is most widely known for this four-time Emmy award-winning performance in Columbo. However, us younger people would more likely know him from what cult classic 1987 Rob Reiner? And Rob Reiner is... The director. Mm. <laughs> I can't tell you what he's most famous for directing, because it is this film. <laughs> and what's the genre? Fantasy. Have I seen it? Yeah, you've seen this movie. Is it the never-ending story? No. Conan? This It's fantasy told with a frame story, and Peter Falk plays a character in the frame story. I have a hint here. His role is credited as the grandfather. Oh, the Princess Bride. Princess Bride, that's correct. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Do I get a point for that Yeah, of one? course. I mean, I, my hints are... Um, fair game. Fair game. Yeah, I, I wrote them out this time, so I wouldn't just kind of trail off into random ones. Okay. Uh, yeah, nice work. Princess Bride, he plays the grandfather reading the... Stories to, what's his name? Fred Savage, that's right. <laughs> unimportant. Yeah, speaking of unimportant people, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Kate Mulgrew is the star of the short-lived spinoff show Mrs. Columbo as the oft-mentioned but never seen in Columbo wife to Peter Falk's character. What famous outing for another massive property is Kate Mulgrew best known for starring in? Is this a series? It is a series. It is a, another spinoff show. Of Columbo? No, not of Columbo. And what year? Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Okay. Uh, year was 95 for was when this spinoff show started. And I'll give you one more hint. And it is the uh, fourth spinoff show of this series. Is it a crime show? No. God, what has a bunch of spinoff shows? Yeah, what does have a bunch of spinoff shows? The Transformers cartoon. <laughs> I don't think there were many Transformers series in 1995. I don't know. I feel like there could have <laughs> been a there lot. there were like two or three by that point. <laughs> But yeah, none of them a- were on at the same time. This is this. Uh, so I'll, I'll, this was ran in parallel with another spinoff show from the series. It began the year after the most famous show of the series ended. The Brave and the Beautiful. Nope. Uh, we watched a lot of movies from this series. Star Trek. Yep. Star Trek Voyager. She plays Captain Janeway in Star Trek. Oh, shit. Oh, I also wanted to point out that um, I believe that Kira is the Mrs. Columbo. Of this Kira podcast. is the Mrs. Columbo of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but but part of Mrs. Columbo's whole thing is you never actually see her, right? No, just because we talk about her a lot. Okay, but she's enough. not here. <laughs> Can't argue with that, I guess. All right, uh, you won't get points for that one, but uh, good effort, good effort. My, I thought my hands were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I just have not seen very much Star Trek. All right. The fact that Columbo's first name is Philip appeared in an edition of Trivial Pursuit, which led to Trivial Pursuit's creators being sued by the Trivia Encyclopedia. Why? Because his name wasn't Philip? That is essentially correct, yeah. But why Why would they get sued for that? Um, because it was plagiarism, because the encyclopedia had it wrong. They released a fake answer key, you know what I'm saying? So That's when 
that's essentially the correct. The Hell author yeah. of that encyclopedia seemingly put that in there erroneously as a copyright trap, and then Trivial Pursuit fell for it. I did air quotes there around fell for it, which is stupid. <laughs> and then they were uh, they took it to the Ninth District Court of Appeals, where uh, the court sided with Trivial Pursuit in saying that you can't copyright facts or uh, even things that you are presenting as facts. Which is good on them, because fuck that. <laughs> very weird. Yeah, very strange. Um, seems to be an existing piece of judicial precedence on the uncopyrightability of facts, so I thought that was kind of fun. It has its own little section on the week. Oh, that is really fun. Okay, you got that. So nice is Columbo's, what's Columbo's real so name? Columbo actually does have a canon name, though it is never stated in the show. It appears on like his badge and some other documentation. His real name is Frank. Frank. Frank Columbo. I thought it was John when we were watching it. I called him John Columbo a couple times. I don't know why I thought it was. That's funny because I was about to say, oh yeah, I remember his name being John. It's probably just Cause, because cause I, said, I said it John. twice, I think. Uh, I was just making a joke about it. I, I also, that's also one of the times when I called him Detective, I think. Detective John <laughs> Detective Columbo. John Columbo. Two of these things are wrong. Well, he's definitely Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one's kind of weirdly hard, but there's not a lot of super interesting trivia about Columbo. I'm more excited for the other game. But this one, uh, this is the name of Peter Falk's biography, the most iconic catchphrase of the series, and the common opener for all of Columbo's gotcha slash denouement moments. Is it actually? No. He usually says it when he's sort of like disengaging from the situation and then re-enters it and gotchas him. Is it one more thing? Yep, that's basically correct. It's just one more thing. Hell yeah. Yeah, uh, I was paying attention to these episodes. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think he said it in the ones that. I think he said it in the one that you were fell asleep. Pro- that's during. what I was gonna say. He didn't say. He didn't say it in the ones that we were that I was awake for. <laughs> so yeah, nice work, awesome. That was four four trivia, Daphne. Yeah, I'm a freaking legend. Pretty pretty awesome, including the random weird one. Yeah, um, I'm a legend. Yeah, you just and if you had known who uh, Kate Mulgrew was, you'd be an absolute legend right now. Now you, now yeah, you owe me a, a winning trivia. This is a mix up for us losing trivia yesterday, honestly. Yeah, that's fine. But that's okay. Because I'm winning trivia right now, and that's all that matters. Get good is all I can say. Let's get into the episodes then. So we watched these out of order again. Um, we watched worst, mid, best this time instead of mid, uh, worst, best. But it kind of worked out. The first episode that we watched here was the ostensibly worst rated one. With a 6.3 on IMDb, this was Last Salute to the Commodore, Season 5, Episode 6. And I have to say, objectively, it was the best episode. You, for, for sure. I think that the, the quote-unquote best episode had really good elements in it, but out of just being a mystery show episode, this was way better than the mid and the best ones. Yeah, like, really, like, so good that I, I'm considering not actually saying explicitly everything that happens because it's like so worth just watching on your own yeah i i I think that's honestly kind of a good idea um although i i doubt that many people will go out and do that (laughs) but i i still want to talk about a little bit just premise wise oh yeah for sure um first of all colombo and murder she wrote both have like previews of the episode which are usually pretty unhinged and wild this one featured the commodore's daughter who is a very uh drunken drunkenly character saying daddy like four times in it which was just so strange to me yeah it was really funny yeah it was very funny very weird um but just structurally talk a little bit about what you see in the episode the commodore it sort of feels like 
George Bluth's retirement party on the on the yacht or whatever, how Arrested Development begins. Yeah. Because there's just this Commodore here who's grumpy, or I guess I guess succession. Somewhere in between. <laughs> um, there's just the grumpy Commodore who's this rich guy who made his money with a boat architecture firm or a naval architecture firm. Yep. I still don't really know what that means. He designs boats. What's so just, complicated about that? I know, that? but like, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Um, has a fortune in naval architecture. His son-in-law works for him. And he's basically angry at everyone except for one dude. And then you pretty much immediately jump to his son-in-law cleaning up after his apparent death. Though you don't see a lot of details about what happened at first. So this one plays off a bit more mystery-wise than most Columbo episodes do. Or a bit more traditional mystery where you're sort of not entirely sure what happened. It's just important that there's like several potential... um suspects um you have like yeah. you have the daughter you have the son-in-law and then you have like other people um who had a stake in the business that would have benefited from the commodore's death and so um all right up until the end it's genuinely like a mystery um on what exactly happened. what exactly happened and who did it yeah but it's, it's really interesting um and i think it was really really well done yeah, it's a fun narrative where where your expectation of Columbo itself as a show gets kind of played against you in terms of of what you're seeing, which I'm not sure that Daphne got the full experience having that be the first actual Columbo episode that you watched. Yeah, because it was way better than the other one. <laughs> which I have seen way better traditional Columbo episodes than the other two that we watched. Like they're not all that weird and sucky. <laughs> but I think there there's some weird elements. Columbo's weirdly this is the one where he's weirdly handsy with everyone. In the preview, he's like basically huffing one lady. Very confusing, and the scene doesn't really make it a lot better. Slightly better context-wise, but still kind of gross and weird. And there's kind of a dark and interesting portrayal of alcoholism in the show, which felt pretty progressive for its era. So I don't know, I was pretty happy with that, too. Yeah, I really love the Commodore. He's my favorite character in any procedural we've ever watched. Commodore was a baddie. Yeah, absolute baddie i think i have that written down yeah i said otis the ultimate baddie i think i have that written down and then yeah. i have in in all caps baddie till the end exclamation mark he's so cool he's like sitting there with his lackeys or whatever and it's just like dressing all of them down about how terrible they are and then like goes on this big rant about like so who wants to get fat not me and then he just turns to his son-in-law and goes, Charles, I don't like conglomerates. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on about how he used to hold parties for the workers, not the fat cat CEOs. <laughs> and I was like, God, this guy rocks. <laughs> and of course, he has to die. But absolute 1000% baddie. Rip the Commodore. Yeah. Gone too soon. Gone too soon. Exactly. I, I felt like this show was... Um, sorry. I felt like this episode was... Um, really good also um just from like the little random visual gags um they find a bunch of stencils at one point and <laughs> i think the show perfectly recreates what hank and i do when uh we find random letters uh because <laughs> columbo promptly spells the word ass and then giggles to himself <laughs> but the stencil thing felt like an escape room for sure yeah <laughs> it was pretty funny all right now here now we're gonna get to the gap in my memory uh, the mid episode that we watched, season seven, episode three, "Make Me a Perfect Murder." What's the IMDb score? IMDb score of seven point five. Uh, this one was the Hollywood episode. Well, I mean, they're all Hollywood because it's 
show takes place in LA, but uh, this one was a Hollywood executive episode. <laughs> yeah, with a Bicon girl boss murder lady. Bicon girl boss girl genius murder lady, yeah. Essentially, you get taken into the life of a executive assistant who essentially fills the role of part-time producer, pretty much, part-time at everything in the movie studio that where she works. She is dating her boss, which is a big yike, and her boss is about to get promoted to go out to New York and has decided that he will not be taking her with him to work there as well, and instead, and will also not be promoting her at the current LA studio when he leaves. And yeah, then, because uh, the whole idea is that she's been running this whole studio. Essentially. Like, single-handedly, more or less. Yep. And, um, and fucking her boss. So. And fucking her boss. But she's been doing, like, all of his work, more or less. Like, he does, like, nothing. And so he leaves and then is like, no, why in the world would I give you my job, right? And you can keep doing exactly what it is you're doing uh, with none of the pay or status because fuck you, that's why. It's okay, though. He bought her a car, so... Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally fine. Now, he also then challenges her to murder him, which she does (laughs) successfully. She shoots him while they are showing executives a preview reel of a movie, and she gets away with running over to his office when people believe that she's running the booth and kills him successfully. She makes somebody work late in order to be there to be there at the scene of the crime right after he gets shot because she needs the timing to be right. Uh, right when she gets back, she performs a switch on the reels and convinces people that she had to have been there right when the murder happened because the you know the switch happened and everything was all good and fine. Then she hides the gun above the elevator in the in the office, and then they're like, "Oh well, there were only six people in the building, so one of you must have killed him, and then the gun must still be in the building. The police got here before anybody left. Which was a very contrived plot point for me, because they're in like some some studio lot office building, right? Which has custodians, <laughs> has security, it has random people delivering stuff, right? Like, yeah, resolutely, the custodial staff did not count as people in this episode. <laughs> there was also a massive platter of meats cheeses everything that the executives had grabbed snacks from to eat during the preview and and then they made it a very clear point that oh there's only six people in this building and i'm just like who the hell put that out and is gonna clean it up then (laughs) yeah she also did pass a janitor she did pass a janitor that's right and so she's one of the six people that was there or seven i guess yeah i I, I didn't think that he was counted in that in the (laughs) initial number The point is that security has the only exit and entrance, and they were the only people there, which is just such a stupid idea. Like, yeah, I don't know. This is what I'm talking about, where like Columbo like shows up, and it's like it only could have been one of these six people, and it's like, but it could have been literally anyone else too. Um, you know, like put on a custodian outfit, and Columbo can't see you apparently. He also deduces that the guy was shot from inside the room, and he didn't lower his glasses to see who it was. So he must have recognized them from their outline, which is part of why he suspects the woman. And he makes it clear to her that he suspects her, too, which is also not usually what he does. He usually knows who it is and keeps that from them and tries to, you know, pretend to be friends with them or whatever. Pretend to be interested in whatever high class thing they're into. Also unethical. Also unethical. (laughs) But then he deduces that it has to be her because he wouldn't have needed his glasses on to see her. But Daphne very correctly pointed out that he'd just be just have been a custodian, right? When he comes into your office wearing a custodian outfit, you're going to assume that they're just there to empty your trash can and you're not going to notice as they get you know halfway in and then shoot you. Yeah, and this guy had a <laughs> bunch of death threats against him. 
Yeah. From like random people. And so what I'm saying is a much better <laughs> murder would have been if a random person who had a death threat against this guy dressed up in a custodian outfit and then walked in and shot the guy. That's significantly more likely than what actually happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Columbo does not consider it once. And instead, my favorite girl boss goes to jail. No, no, no. It's, a, it's, it's fine, Daphne. He doesn't consider it once because he knows it couldn't have happened. That's good police work. <laughs> yeah, deciding what happened before you see any of the evidence. <laughs> uh, this lady also is like devolving professionally or her, her decisions are beginning to collapse. So she has like a best friend who's on screen talent. Lover. What? Lover. <laughs> yeah, Daphne, Daphne uh, believes lover, I think. 70s they kissed uh, at one point yeah i mean yeah i think it's just you Hank know fell I, asleep <laughs> you're right i fell asleep why well, i should not be i should not be dissing daphne's theories here daphne's 100 correct they are 100 yeah but she is like a mess she's drinking and using again and she and so her plan for her to have like a weekly variety hour or whatever or singing time is not going well because she's unable to and so our favorite girl boss has to step in and try and get her um friend together and get her into a state where she can like function and be on this show because it's like a gig that she got for her because this girl looks out for her friends <laughs> i don't really know what that had to do with the episode to be fair i did not was not there for the end but it had to do with the episode because at the very end um she like can't perform because she gets really high and so um they have to cancel the live performance and instead, they show the movie that was oh. previewed when the guy was murdered. And because of some, like, minor random thing about, like, when the splice is, uh, Columbo figures out that it couldn't, uh, that she couldn't have been gone when she said she was. Honestly, not even that. That <laughs> the splice happened after the murder. Yeah. Which is, like, once again, that doesn't mean she right. killed the guy. No, but it does undermine her her whole point. Um because she's in the in the booth with the actual operator who leaves because she tells him to go get different reels. Uh, she has him convinced that this that the switch is going to happen in like a minute when it's actually going to happen in four minutes. So she has a little walkie talkie with a recording of herself telling her exactly how much time she has to do the murder and get back in time. Batty. <laughs> You're standing this murder a little too much. Like, I know she was taken advantage of. I know that she's kind of a, a you know badass worker lady she did do a murder though and i'm just saying that this guy sucked a lot yeah i just want to be careful what territory we're straight i'm not condoning (laughs) murder but i think that this lady was real cool at one point the booth operator also has a little model ship that he likes to work on and they get very caught up on the fact that he has little glue gloves to work on it with uh because she used one of the gloves to cover her hand when she shot the dude and then she also just kind of casually discards it on the floor as though, you know, gunshot residue isn't a thing. <laughs> you know, fingerprints and everything, but whatever. The biggest injustice is this lady gets freaking fired at the end. And so it's like she did the murder for nothing, more or less. Because this dude, uh, because she gets blamed for pretty much everything that's going wrong in the studio. And then uh, gets fired and is told, oh, you know sucks it's showbiz lady but it's like she's literally the only person keeping the studio together and they'll collapse without her so they'll they'll learn their lesson make me a perfect murderer is also what the the victim tells her to do to kill him and so she tries i can't the guy was a dick you know he did ask somebody to murder him probably not don't want to do that right after you break up with them but 
whatever. Yeah, I just have one quote that I really wanted to point out, which is at one point, someone says, wearing rubbers in the house will strike you blind on the spot. Mm, I do have that as well, yeah. And they are talking about um, boots, but it's very funny. I'd also like to say that uh, I found Columbo's posturing and soapboxing in this particular episode to be especially annoying. Um, and I felt like this episode had the most, like, filler um, in terms of, like, random sequences that don't really have a whole lot to do with the plot. So I I liked, obviously, Girl Paws by Con, but I, um, I didn't feel like Columbo made himself very much of a likable character. Like, I feel like this show tried very hard to make this woman likable, right? And then for Columbo, they made him, like, super handsy and um, annoying and constantly asking random questions and playing with random equipment. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the time they will make the murderer pretty sympathetic. Lastly, we have the best, the ostensible best episode that we watched. Season three, episode two, Any Old Port in a Storm. This one frequently tops the lists of people's favorite Columbo episodes, people's favorite solves. Uh, I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. The general premise is that there are two half-brothers who inherited their father's winery. One half-brother is sort of a playboy, likes to live life fast and spend money. And furious. And furious, yeah. And he owns the land. The other brother operates the winery and runs the business, which seems like a very questionable way to divvy up your leavings your sons yeah listen up parents don't do that (laughs) Uh, it seems like it would be better to just give them both a 50 percent stake in the company (laughs) um uh, the landowner non-businessy brother the the fun loving brother comes to the playboy comes to his brother asking for money because he's getting married the other brother tells him you know uh classic you being a little dork and spending all your money you really ought to you know, waste your life doing just one thing like me. <laughs> and then he, the Playboy brother reveals that he's going to sell the land to basically box winemakers, it sounded like. You know, massive vineyard land outside of LA, probably very valuable. The snobby businessy brother, the snobby businessy brother is just been named like the wine society's man of the year. And his it feels like his finally you know getting the recognition he deserves for all his hard work also has a major problem buying a bunch of wine that he doesn't need uh he kills the or sorry he knocks his brother over the head with a trophy leaves him tied up in his wine cellar turns the air off so he'll suffocate and then leaves for seven days to go to new york so that his brother dies in the basement while he's gone yeah cask of amontillado light yeah they do reference cask of amontillado in it um which is funny because that was the first thing that scene evoked and we mentioned that, and then later on, when Columbo's seeing the scene for the first time, he references it. And then, after he gets back from New York, his brother is suffocated dead in the basement for quite a few days without air conditioning or uh, humidity in that basement, though I would have thought that body would be pretty nasty. But he has no problem just uh, shuffling it into his brother's car, strapping him into some scuba gear, and then pushing him off a cliff into water, making it look like he... He suffocated while underwater, which questionable what, how that would go. I don't know. Because <laughs> while, while that's theoretically possible on scuba gear, I feel like you would pass out and then drown more likely, right? Yeah, versus pass out and then stop and sucking then, in and the air. And then just like fully just continue trying to breathe through the apparatus. I think you would start trying to breathe water and then the water would kill you. 
I don't know. We're not scuba divers or instructors or doctors. Not an expert, but, you know, uh, Frank Lehman Colombo never asked, hey, is it possible to suffocate while you're wearing scuba gear <laughs> or when you're underwater? But you know, whatever. Uh, and then, uh, you know, shenanigans happen. Colombo pretends to get into wine in order to get close and s- sticking around. Uh, it's still unclear that this is a homicide for pretty much everyone else. Eventually, the wine snob discovers that it got really, really hot while he was gone. So essentially, all of the wine from his personal collection in the cellar where his brother was locked was ruined. And the fact that his heir wasn't on and everything for his brother to suffocate down there is evidence against him for having possibly placed his brother down there to die, right? Columbo convinces him that that his wine was ruined and and then the guy is like hurling all of his wine off a cliff and Columbo catches him in the act like why are you doing that and then he's like yeah i killed my brother <laughs> um he, he sort of confesses when he doesn't need to but it's also played off because the guy's assistant then who saw his brother at the at the winery the day that he died was pretty suspicious that the snob brother killed him and so she starts blackmailing him to try to get him to marry her because she's in love with him, but he's not in love with her. And then he's basically like, well, I'm basically doomed either way now. Either I'm married in a weird, uh, loveless relationship or I'm in prison. So I guess I'll go to prison. And then he and Columbo share a glass of wine in his car as they drive off into the sunset. And yes, Columbo drinks it, despite the fact that he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, something I thought was really funny is that they make a big deal out of the fact that while he's in New York, he buys uh, a single bottle of wine for $5,000, and they're all like, oh my god, $5,000 for a single bottle of wine? And it's like, surely, surely that's not like an impressive number even back then, right? That's like, that's that's nothing in 2023, I feel like, for an uber expensive bottle of wine. That'd be like millions. I don't know if there's any wine that's worth millions. Um, but it's okay. I'll Google it right now. Okay, for us. sure. Go for it. Now, I think part of that is also more that he's already, he just bought most of that auction too. Pretty expensive. I think she said his assistant said that he was already spent like $14,000. It says that in 2021, there was a Cabernet Sauvignon that was sold for $1 million, which is the most ever for a single bottle. That's I, a single bottle. I would expect, but like your run of the mill annual wine auction, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like hundred thousand probably. Uh, the most that people bid up to, but I would I would expect it to be more now. I mean, like half a mil is what I'm seeing on the internet. Yeah. Okay, fair for enough. like the really fancy crap, the stuff that's um too expensive to drink, as he put it. But yeah, it's it's a weird episode. Um, Colombo also does an unethical when he steals one of his bottles of wine from his collection, serves it to him at a at a restaurant, or has it served to him at a restaurant, which the guy immediately tastes that it's spoiled. Which is sort of like ah, he's a witness against him against his own crime because all his own personal line was ruined. Therefore, his air conditioning humidifier or dehumidifier was not working for some time. And like that's sort of the case, but it never in a million years could you convict someone on that. Like for sure, uh, you know, not under oath, not person has perfect deniability. It wouldn't work if it weren't for the assistant element and the fact that the guy basically wanted to go to jail but yeah 
Um, the guy's also a famous actor. Uh, the He plays Loomis in the Halloween movies, as well as being in The Great Escape and some other stuff. That's pretty cool. Overall, not a terrible episode. Not a great one, though. Kind of boring. No. I had written down, because I thought this was very funny, the opening scene. And throughout the whole uh, episode, um, the, all the wine snobs held the wine glasses like a middle oh, yeah. schooler holds a grimy Chromebook. So they're like holding it by the base. Which yeah, looked, with... I'm sure that's the fancy way to drink wine. Probably. I don't know. But it looked ridiculous. Yeah, and like if you ever worked with children before, you're used to being handed a Chromebook in the weirdest way imaginable. Yeah, usually like, like three top, fingers gripping the top corner. Yeah, top corner, like side of the screen, touching the screen, bottom, like just the gingerous little little pinch on the bottom corner, just weird. Stuff. As I walk down the hallway, yeah, <laughs> just screen cracked. <laughs> I also, uh, I didn't write down a lot of notes during this episode. But we were about 15 minutes in, and Daphne's like, hey, can you open that bottle of wine for me? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> As a trivia fact about me is I can't figure out how to open bottles of wine. True. I've taught her like five times. They're just mysterious creatures. They're, they're not easy, but they're not hard either. Look, Hank, nobody really needs a $5,000 bottle of wine, Karen. I just don't want anyone else to have it. <laughs> yeah, the guy was a total asshole. But uh, Lumbo is- also uh, visits... Like the only man who knows more about wine than this guy does and gets like an hour long rundown on wine and all of a sudden it's pretty good at wine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also really loved that, that. I called this the the menu episode because it had big the menu vibes at certain places to me. I don't even know if I agree with that. Bunch of rich. Well, I guess more it was like the snobbery, like the, the wine snobbery. Right. And they kept yelling at people for smoking. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Which I thought was funny. He's like, you're ruining your palate. Yeah. Not even that. It, the menu is ruining your palate. And this one, it was, you're going to ruin the wine. <laughs> Which is honestly, you know, even more fair than, than being upset about the palate. Yeah, I said this was a prequel to the menu. With those episodes out of the way, we're going to let the judgments noodle around in all of your heads while we play our other tri- our other game for today. Which is a twist on the episode game. I've called this game just one more thing. Uh, rather than give full descriptions of the episode, I have given a bare bones rundown of how Columbo catches people and have made up one in the middle of it. Uh, and I will ask you to correctly identify which of these I have made up. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and get started, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So for question one, these are an aging man is caught for his wife's murder when he accidentally selects the correct camera that was used to take hostage photos. The police commissioner is caught for murder after mistakenly planting jewels in Columbo's apartment. Or, a mechanic is caught for the murder of his domineering landlord after Columbo takes his car in for repairs. Out of those three, which do you think is the one that I came up with? I think you came up with the second one. The police commissioner caught The jewels, yeah. That is incorrect. That is actually one of the top Columbo episodes of all time where he gets the police commissioner in a fraud murder scandal. Basically, the police commissioner, he gave, Columbo uh, gave him his own address for this, like the witness's address at one point. They are at, they're at Columbo's actual apartment, but they don't realize that yet, nor does the audience. And then the commissioner goes to the bed and is like, aha, what's this? <laughs> and pulls out these, um, these uh, stolen jewels. And then Columbo's like, yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't really say anything about the guy that you're trying to finger for this because this is my apartment. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, the other one, I wrote the mechanic one. Um, it was definitely by far my weakest, in my opinion. Um, the last I thought one that I was good. I, so it was, the fact that it 
called them a domineering landlord. I, I was like, this seems like a weird flex that I don't know if Hank would just bring out the word domineering. I stole that. Oh. <laughs> I stole that from a, from a candidate uh, description that I almost went with. So the aging man caught for his wife. That's actually the episode with Dick Van Dyke. Pretty good episode. Uh, essentially, the Columbo presents a fake idea about how the photo was reversed. And then Dick Van Dyke is like, oh, no, no, no. You can look at the negatives. Like, the, like that, that doesn't make any sense. It can't be reversed, right? All right, cool. Well, that's question one. Uh, incorrect, unfortunately, on your part. Sorry, babe. But we'll see how this goes for you. Question two. A psychiatrist accidentally reveals that he was at the scene of his lover's murder by incorrectly assuming a man to be blind, therefore placing himself at the scene of the crime. A scientist confesses to killing his partner after he incorrectly believed Columbo to have consumed the same poison that he used to kill his partner. And an art-collecting heir is fingered for stealing paintings when it is revealed that Columbo's own fingerprints are on the painting. Uh, I think it's the painting one. Painting one? That is incorrect. Uh, the painting one is real. It's also considered one of the best endings of Columbo. Uh, I wrote the scientist one. So uh, I, I don't remember where I got that inspiration from. It's some other Columbo-esque thing. I, I, it's kind of a trope where, yeah. where you convince the person who, who doesn't really want to kill anybody else that you're about to die the same way that they killed someone. Right? Uh, and then the psychiatrist one, uh, essentially the blind man was at the scene of the crime. He was a witness to it. And the blind man has a twin brother who is not blind which Columbo uses to demonstrate later on when he like assumes that the, the twin brother is blind even though he has no real concept of why that would be right because he's never yeah. met this man before well convoluted convoluted yeah all right that's question two question three a competitive genius eagerly undermines his own alibi after Columbo posits a much more convoluted and less in inventive way of getting away with the murder a lawyer gives up the ghost about his wife and her lover's murder when he drives Columbo to the wrong address. Or a chess grandmaster is arrested for murdering his opponent after Columbo tricks him into thinking a trash compactor is on when it is not. Mm. Need me to read any of those again? No. I stumbled on them a little bit. So. Trash compactor. Trash compactor? I, I had to rewrite this one like four times because there was no way I could make it make sense or be succinct enough. And not have it so be so obviously real. But that one is. I'll, uh, the, I wrote the lawyer one. That one's my other kind of weak one. But no, the chess grandmaster, uh, he's partially deaf. And then essentially Columbo demonstrates. Like he throws a guy into the trash compactor. And then doesn't realize that it turned off as a safety feature. And then that through some weird other chicanery. Ends up being part of the, um, part of the like important motive or explanation for why he wouldn't be dead or whatever because the, the the opponent guy didn't die and then competitive genius i put this one in there hoping it would trip you up because this is very similar to an a famous episode of brooklyn 99 <laughs> uh with sterling k brown in it where they make him confess because they convince him that he or they they try to get him with like a very stupid scheme when what he actually did was very smart and then he just blurts out and confesses to a, a much better murder <laughs> yeah um, super good that one is fake that one's real no, no that one's real, real. Okay. well i it's just very similar and i was wondering if you had seen that but yeah 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 Yeah, i think it's a common trope yeah I, that's not that's not unheard of anyway those are my three questions uh i don't know i thought i thought the kind of there all of these generally have an air of absurdity to them oh yeah especially when you decompose them down to like the core elements of how they're found there's like four where it comes down to well you couldn't hear the clock in the background of the phone call 
It's like the for work for Warwick CSI episode. Yeah, basically, where it's just like, okay, <laughs> whatever there. But they're usually done pretty well, and they have an hour and a half to set them up, so mm-hmm. they tend to be executed pretty well. All right, well, thanks for playing along with that. Um, sorry that you didn't get any of them. I'm just too freaking good at this, I guess. Yeah, I'm a loser. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, with that out of the way, do we want to revisit our thoughts, wrap up, and go ahead and conclude, close the book on Columbo? Yeah, the Columb book. Columb book. All right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm still at a nine. We don't usually change our ratings after talking about the episodes, so <laughs> I assume that you didn't. Are you telling me that um, you're not willing to compromise me? I'm willing to compromise. I'm just letting you know where I'm at initially. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm still at a, a 7.4. So you admit, we watched some... We watched some bad episodes. Some bad episodes. And not that sure. they were terrible. It's just like, when a show is an hour and a half, I feel like it needs to earn the hour and a half. Um, and I feel like the weirdly enough the worst episode did do that for the most part though there were still like a couple scenes that were like this has gone on way too long and adds nothing to what's going on right um but i didn't feel like the other two episodes earned the hour and a half and it felt like there was um enough filler to be annoying right well i'll posit to you that the worst episode being so good might be kind of a bellwether for general quality of the show right yeah, but then the best episode was so bad. You don't have to pay attention to that. <laughs> um, I also generally, I think that it's funny that the show is like 90% Columbo explaining things to professionals that he himself just learned in like a PBS educational <laughs> style show at times. Like the first one was like, oh, now we're going to watch Columbo learn a bunch about boats. And he's going to explain to us and, you know, the other characters about boats now. And then the second one was about like, production and um movie and tv production and the third one it's like now we're gonna learn a bunch about wine (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like it's almost it reminds me of this terrible um series that i watched in sixth grade as part of our social studies unit and if anyone knows what i'm talking about and remembers the name please send us a message because it's haunting me but it was a tv show about two kids that are trying to find, like, Cortez's treasure or something. And I think, like, their parents are maybe, like, marine biologists or maybe even archaeologists. I don't know. I don't remember. But they're, like, going around South America. And it's, like, the premise is that it's teaching you about South America and um, ancient South American civilizations. Like, that's the premise of, of the show. But they do that through this elaborate treasure hunting um plot line where there's like adults with guns that are trying to kill these children and so it's like that it's like that appalachian larping show you know i'm talking about the the Uh, bigfoot one yeah uh what's that called mountain monsters mountain monsters yeah Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't really have an educational component to it i guess you could say that it does yeah it's about appalachian culture (laughs) appalachian culture that's true that's true yeah so it just that's what this reminds me of where it's like at times feels like it's more about explaining the principles of winemaking to you than it is about solving a murder. That's totally fair. Which is part of where the annoyance of the filler comes in. It's like, well, I don't really need to know this, right? And it's like, or make the plot less convoluted, and then we <laughs> we don't need to know about decanting in order to solve the murder. So, our highest so far is Murder, She Wrote, at an 8.4. 
and I think I like Murder She Wrote better than I like. That's totally fine. That's fair, and I'm fine with I'm fine with that ending up being the way that it it shakes out for our ratings. And the second one is uh, CSI, which is a seven point two. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's definitely better than CSI, but maybe lower than Murder She Wrote, which is how I ended on my seven point four. I think oh, it's still rather binge CSI than Columbo, in my opinion. Okay. Um, how's a seven point nine sound for you for for rounding then? We can do a seven. That's more 9. in your favor than mine. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Seven point nine. Marking it down. All right. That's Columbo closed and done. Daphne, where are we going next? Uh, next time we'll be looking at the critically acclaimed show. The Closer, <laughs> starring Kyra Sedgwick. This is going to be a doozy of a uh, show in regards to moral reprehensibility, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, I watched it as a child, and all I remember is that there's a lot of shaky cam, and that I liked it, but reading <laughs> um, the Wikipedia page for it ahead of time has been a wild ride. So <laughs> we'll see how, how well it holds up, but that's where our trajectory is headed. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will see you all in two weeks for that coverage of The Closer. And as always, remember, support WGA. Support WGA. If you're out there, Mandy, give us a call. Thanks for listening to Procedural Veneration. For feed updates and episode reveals, follow us on Instagram at procedural.veneration. Check out what else we do. Go to www.dank.pizza. Thanks to Jacob Kratulis for the awesome theme song. That cop is tough but sexy.